This program is not censored. Consider yourself warned. So, the way it looks to me is that you can either sign here and take $10,000 for your toilet paper script, or you can go fuck yourself. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Hey everybody, Sean McBee here. Over here is Trevor Thompson to my left, because you can see him. That's right. Um, And we have a special guest today, um, and hopefully... Bring it on through the future. Uh, Trevor and I have always lamented a little bit that, uh, that we're one, not black uh, enough. That a, that a script read by by only two people doing as many silly voices as they can is uh, a little inac- inadequate. And also, you know, the quality of the silly voices are not always that good with us because we tend to forget. We don't write down which characters we assign to which silly voices. Yeah, so we, we come back later and. <laughs> yeah. uh, Different characters sound differently yeah. if you listen to the episodes back to back. Yeah. Um, but that's not going to change. A, it's a good thing this isn't our job because we're not really good at this. <laughs> anyway, we'd like to welcome you to, uh, we'd like to uh, introduce you to our good friend Jimmy Williams, who you may know if you listen to our other podcast, Touche El Duche, as our, uh, our third wheel there. Our third heel. <laughs> also also accurate. He's a good guy. So Jimmy, okay. say hello. And Jim Hello everyone. And Jimmy's qualified to be here too, also because uh he's um also a bad screenwriter. He's he and like, like us, he's also, also also written screenplays that do not sell. That's right. Yep. <laughs> like like yeah, like me and Sean. We've uh, you know the the level of failure here is now complete. Actually it was complete before, but now there's just extra fail. Yeah, extra fail. And we're going to hopefully bring in some more people. Um, after this script, uh, I have uh, an actual female person that, that wants to be on our show. <laughs> Could you say that Yay! more? Could you say that more like this was a clubhouse for boys? <laughs> you don't actual even do your, girl. Do your spanky voice. Put your yeah. spanky voice on. <laughs> we have an actual girl, you guys. <laughs> We'll have to put the uh, the gross sign out front. <laughs> yeah, get rid of slimy girls. No girls allowed. Um, so without further ado, I think we should. Uh, do you have uh, music set up that I sent no, you? No, not at all. I have music that you sent me, and I looked at it when you walked in the door. It was the first time I opened this thing. I didn't have it like. Oh, you should make like a playlist because I didn't. Th- I didn't know if this was like for this or if it was. I was knee deep in the space in the Space Jam review nonsense all that bullshit well if you can just like throw it in a quick playlist i can throw it on uh, do that right now on shuffle um i've downloaded some uh some free uh royalty free music so we don't get in trouble but we'll still ignore that when we do a superman or a batman script or something that has an existing soundtrack from a different uh iteration um, and we've got, we've got so many good scripts, you guys. So I, many good scripts coming. Up. I wouldn't call them good. Okay, okay. Uh, so many exciting prospects of mockery. I, I wouldn't say that either. I would say scripts that we're not. I would say scripts. We have scripts. I said exciting <laughs> prospects of mockery. Ah, okay. He's trying to talk about how cool it's going to be that we're going to have a bunch <laughs> of shit to talk about, Trevor. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I know what he's trying to do. 
Trevor's it's, like, that's my point. <laughs> it's going to be great. We've got we've got uh, early versions of of things uh, that did come out that were that are completely unrelated to what actually came out. Like uh, Sam Hamm, the great screenwriter of the 1989 Batman film. Yep. Did you know he wrote a Watchmen film in 1989? I think that question was directed at you, Jimmy. No, that was directed yeah. at yeah. yeah no. It was directed at, at the audience. I'm waiting for him to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was rhetorical. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Send your emails to the past. At <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he did, and we have it, and we're going to read it. Um, we have a script that I'm really excited about that Trevor always assumed was just a, a, a myth, and for Trevor to not really know that this actual script existed is impressive because it's right up his wheelhouse and it's Roger Rabbit 2. Yeah. I knew that here's what I knew about that script and, it was, and it's called Toon Patrol, right? Mhm. Roger Rabbit 2 P- Toon Patrol. The only thing I knew in my and the whole my whole gimmick is that you know I'm the animation guy in this little group here. Um is uh cuz I know the you know people that worked on it and stuff like that and and they did a, a test of Roger Rabbit to see if he would look good with the CGI treatment. And the name on the reel was Toon Patrol. I don't know if it was... And also there was a video game called Toon well, Patrol. It's a whole script. Yeah, I've got it. We're going to read it. And it was... Uh, Not if, today, though. If memory serves, the guy that wrote it never heard his name before. Uh, I looked him up, though. Who is he? Uh, I don't know. Um, exactly. I don't, I don't remember, but he has credits for real movies. Hmm. Um, when searching for unproduced scripts, it's, one does. it's important to separate the fan-written garbage from uh, actual, real written scripts that actually had a shot at being made at some point. And by the way, we're not we're not um, averse to reading fan-made garbage. It's just that it has to be our fan-made garbage that we wrote when we were kids. Exactly. Um, It'd be a help to actually be a fan of screenwriters and actually know a lot of screenwriters out there. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and well, I love screen. I'm screenwriter, and I don't know that many. Well, here's the thing. Like, well, that's because when you were in LA, you stayed indoors and wrote rather than went out and socialized. So here, here's the thing. If we're gonna <laughs> do it again, if you're all a, over again, God, can I talk? Um, if you're a professional screenwriter, then being mocked for something you've screen written is completely fair game. Yeah. Uh, if you are an aspiring screenwriter, fuck that, you. That we don't even know, then we're not going to mock you. That's not cool. Yeah. So, like, I found a Goonies two script, but it was just some fan bullshit, and it was like eight pages long or something. You don't understand how excited you temporarily got me. I'm mad at you about that, actually. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, I bet you got mad too. I I was mad. Yeah. I I looked it up, and uh, it turned out that it was just some fan thing, and it was probably. Probably like worse, like like too bad to actually read on on the on air this show. Yeah, um, but you know I'm not going to make fun of that guy if I don't know him and I don't have his his uh, consent what to mock you, him. What can you tell you don't us? Don't know Chris Columbus. I don't know Chris Columbus, but Chris Columbus is a professional, and so it's yeah, fair game. Yeah, but he might cry like a bitch, and the guy yeah. who wrote the Goonies thing is probably a tough motherfucker. I mean, let's just mock everybody, man. No, no, man, no, no. Why not, no. man? Yeah, why not? Fuck them. They're why people. not, man? 
Yeah, they could take it. Plus, yeah. they're artists too. Plus, they're they making no a living at what we wish we were making a living at. Fuck them. Let's have a bad attitude well, about it. You know what? Especially if they got we'll, a mock we'll revisit this argument when we run out of stuff that fits my current parameters. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh, master. <laughs> well, yeah, this, up the this, is, this is Sean's show. The, you know, Sean right. is the master of ceremonies around on this show. I'm surprised, actually, that I haven't let him sit behind the board. I don't want to sit behind the board. I don't want you there either. I want you to be my board monkey. That's a girl. There we go. So let's talk about this script. What is? What can you tell me about Carnivore? Because I am delightfully in the dark. Um, what I can tell you about it is that it was written by Larry and Andy Wachowski back when they were still Larry and Andy Wachowski. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote it before they wrote Assassins or anything else they've ever done, and uh, no one made it. And so it's, it's fallen to us. Mm-hmm. We have to bring the script to life. So nothing came of it? Nothing like a job, a different writing job or something else? Or No idea. Jimmy, you're, would, what, what, you know, I know that there. One of my favorite movies is a uh, Carnivore. I think by Roger Corman. Carnosaur, I thought that was. Oh, it was Carnosaur. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons why they didn't get their stuff made. Is weird stuff <laughs> you like know, that. You know, that really out. that really yeah. sounds like it's about a dinosaur. It is. I don't think this is. No, I don't know. I I, I can't tell what this is about. I, it, I I think something with fangs. Maybe clearly it's about a leaf eater. <laughs> it sounds to me like a cheesy horror movie. It sounds Sloth. like like they were trying to get in on the on the like slasher flick craze of the nineties. The 90s was kind of a dead zone for slasher flicks, actually. Oh, yeah, you just had Scream. No, because in the, in the 80s, you had the great, the great slasher flick craze. And in the 2000s, you had a resurgence with the remakes of everything. But in the 90s, really, all we had was, like Jimmy said, Scream, which, yeah, but the, which was... But Jimmy's underestimating. But it was a send-up of the slasher. Scream was yeah, such, but a, it actually, Scream it was such a huge a fucking... Dude, Scream was such a huge fucking hit that it brought it brought back the genre for a little while. I mean, we had Freddy versus Jason. We forgot. Yeah. I mean, that that movie... The, we the, had the, Jason the, the, X. The two Chucky movies. We wouldn't have had yep. those if they weren't for the Scream success. Jimmy, I guarantee if you, if you went to like a, a Friday the 13th convention... And started asking all the like diehard Jason fans about Jason X, they would disavow it. How wonderful a movie is that, though? I had such you a good what? time I, watching I, that I movie. I talking, but I watched a documentary on Jason recently, and there was a lot of people on there praising Jason. Yeah. X. You know, they, were talking, they were talking about the nipples that fell off. You know, the what? Robot. I think uh, I think I saw I, I that one with Trevor. Yeah. There was there was one point yeah. that I really Laugh really loved. In that no, 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 no. Sean was there too. I thought. Oh, yeah. We we, uh, that's why I said it was my, one of my the most favorite, fun experiences I had in the theater. In my favorite point in the entire film <laughs> is where the guy's like, it's okay. He just wanted his machete. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they when they set him up in the uh, in the 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 space room with the two chicks that yeah. are like, yeah, we do, we, we, we like, we love sex. premarital sex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So let's get down to, let's stop let's having fun and get into this First, script. I think yeah, we I need to tell part. Jimmy how this works here. Yeah, um, break it down. We're going to read the script and, uh, then one, it'll be over. <laughs> one of us is going to, uh, read the directions, um, as well as doing characters and sort of, we just decide who does characters as we go along. Yeah. As, as a character, and you have to try to remember which character you did so that you can pick up on that later. So um, I only get one character? No, 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 no. 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 There's, 
we're going to split up the characters. Um, and it's going to be a little difficult because you want to try to uh, not do two characters that end up interacting with each other a lot because then you just got one person reading both sides of conversation. It's a little weird. So, you know, when we do something that we're somewhat familiar with, like a, a Batman versus Superman script that we just finished, um, then, you know, we know who's more likely to interact with one another. You know, if he's Superman and I'm Batman, pretty much we know that... If, if he's Superman and I'm Batman, that makes you, what, We know Black Batman's, we know Batman's probably going to interact with the Joker, so he should probably be the Joker if I'm Batman, and then I should be Lex Luthor if he's Superman, and that's how we did it, and it works out pretty well. Um, and, We're still here. And we have to do, you know, different voices to differentiate the characters. And, and usually you're the one that reads the directions. Yeah, because you're not a strong reader. Are you waiting for me to debate you? What the fuck? What's with the pause? <laughs> no, no, no. Waiting for you to get down gulping, motherfucker. It's a big cup. I have a big mouth. So, um, well, I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a little difficult because we have no fucking idea who John is, Kuro is, any of these people. And, uh, yeah. and how often they'll talk to each other. We'll work it out. And if we have to change it up as we go, then we do. Yes. All right. Improvisation. But, yeah, it's all pretty much uh, by the seat of your pants. Um, there are some scripts where I have uh, where I have it pretty much like nailed down in final draft, so I can do a character uh, report and it will show like you can list all the characters by how many lines they have. So then we could potentially theoretically um, you know use that to plan stuff out a little bit, and we'll maybe do that in the future. Um, couldn't do that with this script, so you want to just uh, get us rolling. Fade in. Uh, actually, Jimmy, do you want to do the directions? Uh, sure. Gives me stuff to do. Why not? Yeah, you know what? Let me give you that fade in again, Jimmy. Give me the, you're going to give me the fade in yeah. so I don't have to do it? That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean paid a guy to do this for you, so... Fade in. Exterior, city street, night. Dreamlike tides of shadows swirl around the wet, phosphorescent streetlights that glow dimly in a desolate, <coughs> urban intersection. It is fall. The misty breath of winter rises up through the sewer grates. Huddled in a small doorway is a figure swaddled in darkness. We hear footsteps, expensive shoes clicking against the pavement in a brisky city gate. The figure stirs. A well-dressed man passes the doorway as the figure raises its head. It is Kuru. Kuru is dressed in rags. His jet black skin, including his face and bald head, is covered with blue tattoos. Well, he's black. You may as well go ahead and be Kuru. I'm Kuru. All right, Groovy. Hey, Mister? By, by the way, Jimmy, how close are you to the mic? Uh, I'm this close now. Atta girl. That's where you need I'm, to be. You need to be like a, like an inch or two away from... Like I need to hold it like w- w- Winky Wackerman or whatever the heck my man's name was, John Candy's character. Yeah, John Candy. <laughs> Weird Wink Wilkinson laughing and scrapping at you. Woo! That looks really weird. Can we do a little shot before us? <laughs> it got made into a movie. All right. Sorry. All right, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Two right. movies. Yeah. Let's start with Kuru at the top again. All right, all right yeah, yeah. Kuru. Kuru. Mr... His hand reaches for the shadows. Mister, you got a dollar, mister? The man ignores him as Kuru rises behind him. Mister, mister, please, I'm hungry. 
Walking even faster, the man continues past Kuru as he strides into the street. Oh, sorry, scroll too fast. Excuse me. Back it up. 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 <laughs> back it up. <laughs> oh, that was a good scroll. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's like you gotta watch the speed on this thing. All right. All right. Walking even faster, the man continues past Kuru as he strides into the street against the blinking "Don't Walk" sign. Kuru, Mister, Mister, Hey. Mister! A horn explodes. Groovy. A horn explodes as a car booms past, almost hitting the man. He shrieks. Ah! Kuru's laughter <laughs> echoes from the dark. <laughs> the man looks back, but Kuru is gone. He scurries across the street toward the layered concrete parking garage. Dead neon causes the vertical sign to read. Rage. <laughs> Interior garage doorway night. <laughs> the man climbs quickly. The metal stairs ringing. Boom. Boom. As he reaches his level, a whisper floats up from the garage's concrete balls. Kuru. Bowels, not balls. Bow, ball. It sounded like you said balls. It did sound like you said balls. I, I, I did say balls, actually. Man, I had some concrete balls. <laughs> Mister! The man looks over the railing but sees only shadow. He then turns and pushes the garage, pushes through the door. Interior parking garage night. The gray garage is damp and cold, every sound echoing as though it were inside a whale. Nervous, the man hurries toward the only as car on the level. As though it were inside a whale? That's I, a good I, reference. I thought about that as soon as I said it, and I was like, just move on. <laughs> just move on, Pastor. You're a screenwriter. You think, wow, you put that in there? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody's point of, of reference for echoing it sounds yeah. is like Jonah or Pinocchio. What were your, what, what was the script you were reading the other day, Sean, that you were telling me about where the, the, the directions were all Gross. about the Three. The Crow Three, yeah, which was all about the where the camera was going to be, and yeah, <laughs> you'll you'll see. I can't wait for that one. Please, can I be the crow? Of course. Yay! Yeah, you got to be a fat crow. <laughs> oh yeah, Jimmy, that's the one thing I forgot to tell you is if there's something ridiculous, don't just push by it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mockery is the whole point of this podcast. Yes. I, I I am tripping on that because I'm going, wow, there's just, I better looked at that about three times and showed it to Trevor and said, what the fuck you think about that? And he would have said, well, and I would have got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was our system. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, I don't want nobody looking at that and thinking anything other than keep going. Yeah. All yeah. right. Keep Nervous. Moving. The man hurries toward the only car on the level, his red sob. <laughs> he digs out his keys and hits the remote alarm. His oh, remote alarm off. Far away, we hear a I'm rattling metal guy. sound. Let's hear the rattling metal sound. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got hang on, hang on, hang on. I got you. I got keys in my pocket. Oh, yeah. Use yeah, that. but they sound like keys. I think <laughs> that might be what the noise is. Okay, all right, hit it. Uh, hey, the man reaches the car, groping for the door handle as the rattling draws closer. I don't know if Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, they sound more like some kind of keys. <laughs> well, I jumped into the car. <laughs> um, high, high jumps into the car, locking the door. Yeah, into the it's a typo. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. H Y. Uh, All right. Suddenly, a, p- a baseball bat arcs down so that the twisting of the key seems to shatter the windshield. The explosion of the glass becomes interior diner 
like the Wait, crash. Uh, hold on, hold on. What kind of diner are they going to? It explodes from glass. Oh, I guess I guess maybe they do like the remember the old video toaster effect where the <laughs> the, the, the the screen would shatter and fall away. Yeah, so to we, reveal the diner. So what you're saying is later. No, on. no, no. I was I thought they were gonna do something more like uh, when uh, you you cut, you transition from like when my man goes to go pee in a House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, oh no, Devil's rejects rejects and then all of a sudden you switch to the coffee pouring into the cup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot more creative. No, Sean's talking about a video to video toaster wipe so apparently later on in the screenplay we're gonna see like the silhouette oh of a stripper <laughs> doing a cartwheel <laughs> coming through and that changes the thing changes they the got thing. big balls on this shit the explosion of glass becomes the crashing tinkle of dirty yeah. gla- plate being thrown into a bin by a oh, bus oh, they, oh. they say oh, how they, really, they did it okay good yeah, yeah they're really yeah it's that's what it says i'm just there's just the interior diner night in between you got to be technical with these assholes out there <laughs> gotta let them know what where you're at at all actually that's the thing you're not supposed to do that this is how you, this is how you can tell this is an early uh no no this is what you're supposed to do when you change yeah, a location you put location. that in there because oh that yeah, because, was, because that's about. how that's how they break everything down it's like that's yeah. how they know like where the locations are like the crow, I know that I'm the crow script doesn't do any of that Really? I'm j- yeah, and I'm just pointing out the fact that when you're making a transition like that, it's always a little weird because you're doing it from like one scene to another scene, so you have to have that direction in there, and uh, it's really trippy. Yeah. And sometimes it just looks clunky. Uh, the crash and tinkle of dirty plates being thrown into a bin by a busboy clearing them from the table of an old diner. Once the table is cleared by the quick automatic hands, the busboy wipes it down with a gray rag because he's on it, man. He knows how to. <laughs> he then places a setting, a napkin, a fork, and a spoon, a knife. The utensils are heavy-duty stainless steel. The knife is flat like a butter knife, but the end is serrated and sharp enough to cut meat. This must mean something. We yeah. hold on to empty setting. No, no, no. No, they're just, they just have a really specific knife in mind. Like, this, is, this is exactly the knife that they use at, at uh, Outback. Yeah. It's an Outback knife. That Outback knife. Oh, it's a steak knife. All right. Sharp enough to cut meat. All righty. Barely. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Serrated in sharp enough to cut meat, barely. Uh, we, hold on to the, we hold on the empty setting as if we were sitting at the table waiting to be served. So now we're sitting. Okay. John Bunyan throws his backpack in the booth and sits down at the empty setting. Man, I'm starving. John is friendly. John is a friendly looking fellow whose simple expression of awe behind the Times wardrobe immediately places him as new to the city. All shucks. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) The waitress steps over the table. John smiles. Hi there. (laughs) She stands, pencil to pad, waiting for his order. How are you tonight? She sighs. (sighs) My feet hurt. I'm the waitress, motherfucker. Well, you're going ahead, waitress. That's yeah, he hasn't right. had a character yet. Give him something. Yeah, 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 I want to hear him anyway. My feet hurt, my back is killing me, and I smell like a hamburger. Now, what can I get you? Let me see here. <laughs> he runs his finger down the menu. Not the items, but the prices. I'll have the hamburger special. To drink? No, to eat, you dumb bitch. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> uh, water is fine. Let me give you some advice, country. When in Rome, do like the Romans, okay? She leaves. John takes out $20 from a small compartment in his backpack, then zips it back up. In the background, there is a commotion that swallows the normal diner noise. 
John turns and we follow his gaze to a far booth where a man and woman are having an argument. Ophelia, Ophelia, is a young, attractive woman who is uncomfortably overdressed, expecting to be in a more formal restaurant. Her date, Roman, links oh, has the face of do a Do like the Romans do. Oh, I Oh, Fuck me, frankly. All right. His hair is slicked back into a ponytail, and he is also overdressed, but quite comfortable. He holds up his hamburger to her mouth, trying to get her to taste it. Ophelia. I'll be Ophelia. No, you know I don't eat red meat. It ain't fucking red. Look at it. It's brown. Just try it. No. Link slaps the burger down. Shit. Why go out if you never try nothing? You call this going out? Oh, I'm sorry. This, I'm sorry this place isn't good enough for your highness. Ain't. Ain't. Puts a whole different spin on that read. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Lynx. She tries to lower the argument. I didn't mean that. What the fuck difference does it make where you eat? All you ever want is a fucking salad. I take you to the fucking Ritz. You'd order a fucking salad. You have no idea what I want. She snatches up her purse and coat. You ain't going anywhere until you clean that plate. <laughs> he snatches her by the wrist. Your dad. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. He's handling that shit. Hell, yeah. that bitch. He, smashed, he snatches her by the wrist. <laughs> she struggles, then grabs her fork with her free hand. Fuck you. Fuck your salad. She stabs him with the fork just hard enough to make him let go. Before <laughs> she can get out of the booth, he catches hold of her hair, yanking her head down. You foul mouth bitch. He forces her face in the plate. Of salad and cottage cheese. I like this guy. Now eat it! Eat it! <laughs> she squirms. <laughs> she screams, squirming free. Her face covered with food, eyes burning and tearing. She runs for the nearest door, the woman's bathroom. Lynx calmly pushes the last oversized bite of burger into his mouth. He chews, glancing around. The diner's uncomfortably quiet. I like how, I like how Jimmy's reading a sermon. <laughs> he slips he chews, uh, glancing around. <laughs> the music is perfect for it, too, by the way. He sips the last of his coffee, then politely dabs at the mouth with his napkin before getting up. Pimp. Lynx walks to the woman's bathroom and lightly knocks on the door. Fifi? Open the door, it's Roman. Leave me the fuck alone. He smashes to open the door and goes inside and slams it shut. John looks around the room at the frozen employees and painters in the diner. Muffled behind the bathroom door, a sharp slap is heard, and Ophelia cries out. <laughs> there is another. <laughs> the diner is silent, listening. John stands and slowly walks towards the bathroom as the waitress runs for the payphone. At the door, John can hear Lynx talking and Ophelia crying. He knocks. Link Lynx becomes quiet and John knocks again. The door swings open. Lynx has a huge black eye. What the fuck? I heard the woman crying. That's me. Oh, sorry, baby. I thought you were. I thought he was. No, 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 no. That's that's him. That is him. Okay. What the fuck? I heard the woman crying. Are you from another planet or something? Why don't you leave her alone? Link's bony finger pokes John in the chest. Why don't you do what you're supposed to do and mind your own fucking business? John shrugs, staring hard. Too late now. You got that right. Link throws the first punch, but John blocks it, ramming a fist into Link's gut. 
Lynx doubles over as John grabs him, spinning him out of the bathroom, cocking another punch. He swings, mashing Lynx's this thin pointy nose, sending him sailing onto his back. Lynx scrambles to his feet. A wild man half splayed across his bleeding face and grabs a knife from the nearest table. Screaming, he rushes at John like an animal. John jumps back, but the knife slashes open his forearm. His hot blood speckles the bright white ceramic floor. John howls and lunges. Yeah, that's right. And lunges at Link, seizing hold of the knife hand and knocking both of them to the ground. They thrash wildly like dogs. Link's even biting John, fighting for the knife until Ophelia steps, stomps on Link's arm with her high heel and snatches up the knife. Stop it! Stop it, Roman! Both men recoil, standing. Link's his ears red hot, throws back his hair. This ain't over. This ain't over. He points at his bloody nose, staring at John. I never forget. This dog's got a long memory. And you... He stabs a finger at Ophelia, who is still holding a knife over him. Pay for your own fucking salads. That's a great line. <laughs> they watch as he whirls, storming out of the diner. John, suddenly conscious of his bleeding arm, groans. Ugh. Oh my god, you're really hurt. It's okay, I think. His knees buckle a bit at the sight of so much of his own blood, and he sits at one of the chrome tables. Maybe not. Ophelia digs out a handful of paper napkins from a dispenser and presses them to his wound. I can't believe this. I mean, Roma's a little crazy, but what you did, it was really... Thank you. John looks up into her smiling face. Jimmy, do you want to take over, John, if these two are going to be talking back and forth this whole time? Oh, man, they're a couple or some shit. Fuck, man. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know, yeah, but it's switching that. back and forth so, uh, between them. All I'm right, starting to all feel right. So, so far, I'm John Kuru and the narrator. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm on. Uh, okay, you start off with you're not from around here, are you? Uh, you're not from around here, are you? Just off the bus, actually. I didn't know it was that obvious. Ophelia looks up suddenly uncomfortable that the eyes of the diner have been on them the entire time. Listen. John. John Bunyan. He shakes her hand using his left hand. I'm Ophelia. We really need to get you to a doctor. I don't really have the money, but I'll be all right. So real. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have some place to stay? Relatives? He shakes his head. Ophelia looks at the clump of napkins, white, soaking red. Well, that arm is going to get infected if we don't take care of it. She thinks. Come on. Exterior, the mission, night. A cab pulls up outside the mission. Wait, is this San mission. Francisco? I don't know. It never said where it was, yeah. but it sounds like San Francisco so far. <clears throat> All right, Ruby. A cab pulls up outside the mission. The mission is an old stone building that had once been a proud, magnificent landmark. Oh, it is now it's a, a building. I thought it was like the mission district. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? No, I figured it was a build. I figured it was the mission. You know, um, so maybe it is it's now not a- San Francisco. Yeah, could be from England. I mean, well, we have no idea where missions are. We're not on one. It is now a squatting corpse with its boarded windows and crumbling brickwork. It is. It wears an edifice of dark urban decay. John follows Ophelia from the cab into the alley that runs behind the mission. Exterior, the alley, night. Ophelia pounds on the heavy steel door. What is this place? 
It used to be something like a YMCA. Great delivery on that <laughs> line, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what is this place? <laughs> I mean, come on now, man. Break, break, break. All right. Location does not compute. <laughs> you did say that like a GPS voice. <laughs> Can you imagine if your GPS was like, what is this place? I have no idea where the fuck we are. <laughs> take Doom. Me, take me back to Walgreens. That is if you can ever find it again. <laughs> It used to be something like a YMCA, but it was condemned. A man named Rex Mundy somehow convinced the city to let him run a soup kitchen out of it. Isn't Rex Mundy a comic book character? She pounds on the door again. Granny! Granny! Your grandmother's name's Granny? Up in your grandmother's house? (laughs) (laughs) What if she'd never had kids? What a bad, poorly (laughs) named woman. (laughs) <laughs> no, her name's Gretchen, but she told me to call her Granny. She's the cook. From inside, we hear a faint old voice. Yo, they just left a diner. They don't need a cook. They need a doctor. Yeah. He don't want no doctor. And she stopped. You gotta be, and she and stopped. Trevor, Jimmy, you want to be Granny? Oh, I don't want. I want to hear Trevor's Granny like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. It's her first line. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How should I do her? A faint old voice. Oh, okay. Faint. Let me get off mic. Hang on. Dude, June. No, don't get off mic. Just June Foray the shit. I can't. Dude, if I could do June Foray. We're closed. Come back tomorrow. Granny, wait. It's Ophelia. I have a friend here who's hurt. Bleeding. I was hoping you could. I guess it is a long pause, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy. Jimmy? Jim. Oh, he did. Wow, he's like, fuck us. See, this is the problem with long-distance podcasting. (laughs) (sighs) I feel like uh, potting up this music, so it's, you know, like the on-hold music while we're waiting. This is really good background music. In general, so far. Yeah. Until we get to something It hasn't else. been out of uh, character yet. Or yeah, that's what tone. I mean. Thank you for taking the time to podcast with us, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be getting back on track any moment now. Well, I'll just read the directions while we try to get Jimmy back on the line. After a long pause, a series of locks and bolts click and slide before the door finally opens. Granny is a woman who looks impossibly old and thin and wrinkled as a willow tree. She was in her later years very old. Yes. And wrinkled as a willow tree, but has the boundless energy of a child. Her smile is a checkerboard of lost teeth, gladly given for the chocolate she she constantly consumes. Granny, this is John. Her gaze fixes immediately on the cut on his arm and her eyes bulge. (gasps) Oh, that's you. Sorry. Oh, blood. Come in. Come in quick. I love blood. (laughs) (laughs) She pulls them inside and the door slams shut. We hear the locks and bolts snapping back into place. Interior mission, dining hall, night, and Jimmy is back. I think we got Jimmy back. Jimmy? Yes. There we go. All right. We're we're going on without you. Um, (laughs) 
That's how we got you back on the line. So we're uh, down. That, at, that was a long pause. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we said. <laughs> we're we're down at the next slug line. The dining hall is cavernous. Is a cavernous room. All right, hold on a second. <laughs> Granny saw the blood and she was all a twitter. I got it. All right, all right. She got the vapors. <laughs> I was watching my programs and then. <laughs> I was watching my stories. <laughs> Shut up. The dining hall is a cavernous room that seems to have no walls or ceiling, only endless rows of cheap fold out tables and chairs. Beneath nasal, humming, humming, fluorescent light, Granny sits hunched over John's arm. Ophelia, leaning in, dabs at the wound with a wet, bloody towel. Close on a large button hook as Granny pushes another stitch through the flaps of skin. She then pulls, drawing the stitch together. John winces. By the way, is anyone else picturing the Oracle when they picture this Granny? Nope. No? Okay. Almost done. There. Just like sewing up a turkey. Doesn't sound shit like the Oracle. She wraps it with a gauze as Ophelia has her strips of tape. Which one of you fuckers is John? Jimmy. Oh, I am. Taking over I totally, I'm totally John. Feels better already. <laughs> Just bad enough for a nice scar and a good story. She winks at him. I don't know how to thank you. Oh, no, no, no. Well. An idea slips into her mind and a smile creeps across her face. Okay. How about a kiss? <laughs> yeah, I'll feel your laughs. <laughs> Granny! Oh, it's not like that. I haven't felt anything down there in years. Just a little sweet little thank you, that's all. Uh, sure. Granny leans forward and her eyes closed, lips puckered. John puts a hand on her shoulder, leaning in, deciding to close his own eyes. The moment is painfully slow to arrive as they inch closer and closer until finally their lips touch. <laughs> Granny pops... A little over the top, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, damn. I mean, how how do you guys kiss old ladies? I don't know, a little wetter than that. Shit, that sounds like sneakers on a floor. I'm not eating her pussy. I mean, good good (laughs) God, man. Well, you're not crippling either. Granny pops back, cackling with laughter. She's (laughs) cackling. Cackle better. No. (laughs) Asshole. John laughs awkwardly as he licks her lips. As she licks her lips, tasting the kiss. Yes, yes, very nice of Ophelia. You ought to give them a try. Did you know they did this in the? Was it Reloaded it with wasn't. Persephone? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's something about this kiss shit. That yeah. They probably missed it. Yeah, maybe they All just right. really loved this scene and were sad they didn't get to make it. And who can blame them? This so is they riveting. put it in something. Yeah. They should have got all that shit out in bound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of freaky shit. Uh, all right, cackles with laughter, takes the lips. All right, come on, Granny. I already did that line. Oh, Ophelia looks up at John. There is a hint of something beyond the smile of her lips. Now, can I get you kids something to eat? Some chocolate? <laughs> Ovaltine? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sugar for the blood? <laughs> this is before <laughs> diabetes, apparently. Oh, my God. He kissed her, too. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Granny, there was something else. I brought John here because he's new to the city and has nowhere to go. 
That's some shit all out there like that. Granny is suddenly very uncomfortable. Oh, you'd really have to ask the boss about that. Is Rex here tonight? Who's my At last, the fair Ophelia calls. They turn as Rex Moondy emerges from the black edges of the room. Ooh, sweet. Moondy is a dark-featured man. Damn, always playing these dark motherfuckers. Tall and sinewy, who forever seems to be cast in the shadow. Sinewy. I'm not liking this. I'm, yeah. I'm always some <laughs> I'll do it. I'll be Moondy. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm, this shit's getting racial. All yeah. right, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to be Moondy, Tre- Trevor, Trevor needs a nice... Uh, Deep throated voice to perform. Yeah, you need some shade, nigga. That's right. All right. All right. He turns his Rex Moondy emerges from the black edges of the room. Moondy is a dark featured man, tall and sinewy, who forever seems to be cast in shadow. His clothes have an antique quality to them, which includes a battered stovepipe hat. He smiles, gliding across the room, his eyes riveted on Ophelia. Rex, I thought you'd gone out. You know me, Gretchen. Always about. What the fuck? Moody takes Ophelia's hand, holding it almost to his lips. His face hovers over her, nostrils flaring. <laughs> Inhaling the scent of her soft skin. I'm so glad I didn't play this motherfucker. Then ever so delicately, <laughs> he kisses it. Moody. To what do we owe this savory surprise? Tell me, how is Miss Shelley? She's good. I'll tell her that you say hello. Moondy nods. The, the reason I'm here, Rex, is for my friend, John Bunyan. He's looking for a job, a place to stay, anything. Ophelia gestures to John, but Moondy does not look away from her. You did promise me a dishwasher, Rex. Moondy considers this, turning, appraising John. He notices the bright white gauze bandage and the small spot of blood seeping through. Are we running an animal shelter now, Gretchen? Taking in every wounded stray? I brought him here, Rex. It's my fault. He was hurt because he helped me. This is all I could think of. Moondy watches John. City's full of cheap hotels. He doesn't have much money. Why not bring him home? Ophelia doesn't know how to answer, leaving an awkward silence. We don't have the chicka chicka bow wow music. You didn't. It's a shame. Yeah. Listen, it's okay. I don't need any charity. I am not offering charity. Charity has no place here. I thought this was a soup kitchen. Oh, it is. But it is not run out of charity. There's a bargain, a contract, if you will. I offer a bowl of stew in exchange for an appetite. Can you give him like a creepy, slightly British accent? Slightly British? Yes, like. But it is not run out of charity. You know, just so like a like a Mr. Burns. Like a deep throated Mr. Burns. Yeah, except without the old man in it. Oh it is. But it is not I like this music. (laughs) It's not run out of charity. There is a bargain. A contract, if you will. I (laughs) offer a bowl of stew in exchange for an appetite. Yeah, I like him just slightly evil like that. Okay. Like Dra- yeah. Draculean without the Romanian. Okay. I, I, I wish you could do Mr. Hand. I like that voice. John is confused. Mr. Hand? Wait a minute. Which? You know, there's a couple of Mr. Bad Hands. Bad times at Richmond. Who? Bad times at Richmond High. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I could do Mr. Hand. Yeah. Fuck. I thought you meant Mr. Hand. That's what I thought he was saying. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> but I feel bad. No, no, no. No, no, no. 
C D F F For three weeks we've been talking about the plot amendment What are you people? On dope? That's Mr. Hand Okay So you want that? I can do that No You, you, you can do Mr. Hand? I can do All that right. I can do what I just did <laughs> I think the creepier one's better You All ain't right. got Mr. Hand no, Yeah this guy seems hand. creepy as fuck Yeah This is my mission You see to teach those that will listen that no one need ever be hungry. He has a voice that seems... Oops. Sorry. Good job, Trevor. It's a stupid track fucking... Go. He has a that's voice bumping. that seems like... That's, that's, that's bumping, though. He has a voice that seems to weave the words around his audience. 2% of the world's population controls 90% of the world's wealth. It sounds obscene, doesn't it? I should just be really doing Orson. <laughs> Just, I mean, why not? <laughs> Pick one, motherfucker. Two percent of the world's population controls ninety percent of the world's wealth. It sounds obscene, doesn't it? Yet, if you were to meet one of the two percenters, you would find them quite at ease with it. How do they do it? His black eyes flash like spinning, like a spinning watch of a hypnotist. What is that that they whisper to themselves when they open a closet full of fur coats or a garage full of sports cars? How do they justify the consumption of such while so many have so little? It is painfully simple. They may equivocate, they may obfuscate, but deep down the rich know exactly what I know. They know that this world is cruel, it is unfair, and uncaring, and its single guiding principle is dog-eat-dog. Gee, you're cheery as ever, Rex. <laughs> Perhaps I should apologize for my candor. Not necessary. Well, in that case, would it be a fair question to ask what brought you to our vanity fair? Your what? To the big city. I'm looking for a job. Is that all? You seek nothing but a paycheck? You have no dreams, no aspirations? fuck we've been talking about no I, <laughs> I like to cook uh, I hope one day to open a restaurant ah ambition yes that is something I can understand understand the dreams and you understand the man would you agree with that yeah I think so let me tell you Mr. Bunyan that I am many things to many people but I am first and always a pragmatist my mission is growing, and Gretchen reminds me that I am in need of hands. I can offer you the bedroom above the kitchen and all of the Gretchen's stew you can eat in exchange for your hand. John is surprised by the offer, Mundi extending his hand. We have a deal. We have a deal. Meat cleaver, chunk! <laughs> it's, it's the end just of like, four rooms. Just like four rooms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just swipe the money and get out. <laughs> they shake left hands. Oh. Behind them, the door to the dining room opens and clangs shut. For a moment, silhouetted against the kitchen slight, we see a very large man. Ah, Kuru. Come. Someone for you meet for you to meet. Kuru moves into the room, and when he reaches the light, we see that it is the man with the blue tattoos. Kuru, this is John, our new hand. Kuru ignores John, whispering something in Mundi's ear. I must be off. Business. Granny will show you the room, John. Ophelia, 
he tips his hat. It's always a pleasure. Together, Kuru and Moody leave. I'll go find you some bedding, John. Bye now, Ophelia. Don't be a stranger. Ophelia and John are alone again. <laughs> yeah, you guys are gonna fuck. <laughs> Get ready, boy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Mike cutting them jeans. Don't be stalling. Come on, Ophelia. I should be going too. Listen, uh, do you think, um, I mean, uh. I thought you would never fine. ask. Please come fuck me. <laughs> sucking his dick. Yes. Very much, yes. <laughs> Hold on. That's uh, actually the line. <laughs> yeah, ask, 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 uh, ask your first question again. Your stuttering question. Listen, do you think, uh, I mean, uh, would you mind? Would you like my number? Yes, very much, yes. She, she has. has a, oh, sorry. Yeah. That, that step all you over. You guys are moment. just fucking it all up, left and right. You're an idiot. Yes. You're an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say asshole and then up. And then we just <laughs> fucked it right up again. Like, prove my point. I'm the worst. <laughs> what's, yes. what's our time on this episode? You're so an idiot hole. <laughs> I'm stuttering, John, though, man. We're like 48 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Howard, Howard, are you going to call? <laughs> you know, stuttering John, come on. She hands him a business card she already had in her hand. It reads, Slimage Surgery Center. Who the fuck is going there? <laughs> slimage Surgery. I, like- need, I need surgery. I know. How about that slimage place? That sounds, that sounds hygienic. It sounds like a Harry Potter character. Also, I like that they call it a surgery Center because, you know, I like the feeling of an in and out uh, sort of a strip mall surgery feel. Slimage Malfoy. I got, I got things to do. <laughs> slimage. That can't be how it's pronounced. It's probably like slimage. The can't yeah. be slimage. Yeah, I liked it my way. Shut up. I like it my way. <laughs> I did it my way. Slimage would have two M's. Fair enough. Slimage. It's where I work. I wrote my home number on the back. Call me. I will. He watches her leave, then regards his increasingly throbbing arm. Oh, it's his arm. It's his arm that's throbbing. And it changes the line, too, on the direction. It's like it says throbbing, then the next line is arm, so you're waiting for the dick. You're waiting. He's like, just like he looks down, like, oh, God, you're hungry, aren't you, Jim? The spot of blood growing wider. Interior, John's bedroom, night. John stands in the doorframe of the small dark room. It is a bare, it is bare of furniture except for a twin-sized metal frame bed and broken chair. A layer of dust covers the floor like moss. A naked bulb hangs above John's head. He tugs in the pull chain, but the bulb is burnt out. Damn, low life, Nick. Interior, John's bathroom, night. John throws a wall switch and a buzzing strip light flickers. <laughs> Cancerous spots of mildew grow everywhere on their dirty tub, shower curtain, and tile. John urinates and flushes the toilet. Then, leaving the light on, he edges back into his bedroom. Yeah, our hero pees right on cancer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good for you. How do they know this? This house is Joe versus the volcano's office yeah. space. It's ridiculous. All right, John's bedroom night. John sits on the bed, the metal springs shrieking beneath his weight. 
Yeah, Shriek. He takes off his shoes and lays back, pulling the single blanket over him because he only got one blanket. After a long beat, we begin to become aware of faint noises from deep within the building. Pipes groaning, the distant hiss of a radiator. It is through the building we're trying to digest something. It is though the building. Yeah, it is true. But it's also true both ways, motherfucker. I like it my way. John Swiss turned away from the sound. Interior apartment stairway night. Crouched in the shadow behind the banister, Roman Link squats, hiding, watching Ophelia's door from the landing above. His breathing is labored. Open mouth as both nostrils are stuffed with wads of bloody congealing cotton. Below the lobby door opens and closes. Lynx presses against the spindles to watch as Ophelia climbs the stairs and crosses to the apartment. Silently, he descends the stairs, creeping towards her as she pulls out her keys and unlocks the door. Creepy motherfucker. A stair creeps. Ophelia looks back over her shoulders and sees Lynx. Ah! She screams as he lunges, grabbing at her coat. But she rips free of him, squeezing through her apartment door and locking it behind her. Hey! Let me in! He pounds on the door. What do you want? What are you doing here? I didn't mean to scare you, Fifi. I'm really sorry about what happened. <laughs> Fifi. <laughs> I didn't mean to scare you. That's why I just crept up on you in the dark. Yeah, right. With a bloody mouth or something. He uh, leans against the door, mock pouting. I went a little crazy, that's all. Please, Fee, open the door. I need you. What happened to buy your own fucking salads? You know I love it when you use that word. Yeah? Then fuck off! Ophelia feels the steel dinner dinner knife still in her pocket. Oh, she stole that shit from the restaurant. Wow, she's a that's why we. That's why we noticed it. Bitch. Bitch. She rips out the knife, holding it up as if to stab him. Don't call me that! Fifi in the heat. You little prick. Fifi, come! God damn you. Good, poodle. <laughs> Stop it! Pretty poodle. <laughs> she screams, jamming the knife into the door. An inch of the blade splinters through, just missing Link's neck. Link steps back, laughing. <laughs> I'm calling the police. I saw you leave with that guy. I saw you take him to that flop house. What? You were following me? He pulls out a small plastic folder that is labeled Master Series 1001 to 2001. Inside are five skeleton keys, of which Lynx draws the first. It's killing me, Fee. Just thinking about you and somebody else. It's eating me up. Hold on, skeleton keys? Like, what? He has How the, old? He's the manager of the building? It's like Jingle Jangle, man. How old is the <laughs> building she's in? Well, they still have skeleton keys. They still make them. Yeah, they make doors for them That's and all why that. Landlords but, usually have them. But not usually, like, the front door. Like a closet door. I don't know. Whatever. Why was this script written? Early nineties. Huh? Yeah, early nineties. Got a lot of competition back then. All right. She hears the first key go into the lock. It lock the lock jingles and he's as he twists it back and forth, but it does not open. He rips the key out, pulls another, and jams it in. Hell yeah. Ophelia backs away as he works it against the lock. Another key is pushed in, its teeth fighting tumblers. Ophelia yanks the knife out of the door. Roman! I need you, Phoebe. (laughs) He slides out the last key. You're mine! 
my Fifi. He shoves it in, the teeth sawing into the keyhole. I'm getting hard. Mm-hmm, it's gonna be like in and out. Yeah. The clock clicks and the door floats open, stopping lightly against the chain lock. Ophelia holds her breath. After a beat, she hears his footsteps fade down the stairs. Ophelia leans against the door, still clutching the knife. Interior, John's bedroom night. John sits up in his bed, hair heavy with sweat stuck to the side of his head. Dehydration carries him to the plip, plip, plipping bathroom sink. As he rises, we see that his sheets are soaked with blood. Interior, bathroom night. John squints at his bleary-eyed reflection, turns on the water, and reaches for a glass. The glass is knocked from the sink top and shatters on the floor. Typical. Oh, great. That's... Oh, great. John looks down and immediately sees why he broke the glass where his hand has been. Is now a bloody bandage stump. Oh, God. My, my hand. Where is my hand? <laughs> Interior John's bedroom. His body heaving in panic. John searches frantically around the room under the bed behind the radiator. <laughs> Fucking moon, D. Where is it? Oh, God, not my head. I, I need that. <laughs> oh, God, not my hand. I need that. <laughs> why, couldn't he, why couldn't he take something I don't need, like my gallbladder? <laughs> he turns for the hall. Interior kitchen. John finds Rex Moody in the gleaming, gleaming steel and tile kitchen, making himself a sandwich. Rex! Moody smiles warmly behind a mouthful of strange, cond- of strange condiments, meats, and produce. Hello, John. Care to join me in a midnight snack? Is that my hand, motherfucker? No, wait <laughs> Moody drags a serrated knife across a loaf of French bread. No, Rex. My hand. Look! My hand! Oh, my. I see. Someone? Someone <laughs> stole my hand, man! I woke up and was gone! Moody butters the two long slices of bread with clumpy wads of mayonnaise, licking his fingers, chuckling slightly. Relax, John. Relax. Can't you see you're only dreaming? John stares, confused. What? Then, uh, this, this isn't... Real? Moody begins to pile things onto his sandwich. Real? Oh, no, John. I didn't say that. Dreams are more real, more true than life itself. He looks up. They are the sum of us, John. Secrets whispered while we slumber, revealing who we are, and are sometimes all that we are. Moody returns to fixing his snack. You say you are missing something. Your innocence, lost childhood perhaps, any sexual shortcomings of late. My fucking hand! He smiles at John. Have you, maybe John, run off and sold your soul to the devil? John begins to feel a sickness in his stomach. Perhaps, though the answer is a more literal one. (laughs) Moody closes the top of his sandwich. A hand which is a sandwich turns a man into a meal. He lifts the sandwich and John sees his hand between the two pieces of bread. Jesus fucking Christ, this is predictable as hell. Care for a bite? He takes a huge bite. Interior John's bedroom, John's eyes. Oh, how I love finger food. (laughs) 
I mean, come on. He's oh, he, my God. Mundy, Sean missed it because he went to the bathroom. Mundy is literally eating John's hand in a sandwich. Well, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, because we, we predicted it because this movie is yeah. predictable. <laughs> but holy shit. <laughs> Trump made a finger sandwich joke. Yes. Yeah. Finger there. sandwich. No, yeah. I, I could actually hear finger you. Finger food. I mean, I from the bathroom, I heard the line, a, a hand which is a sandwich turns a man into a meal. <laughs> yep. A hand <laughs> was witch. crazy. Oh, that's how I should have said it. A hand which is a sandwich turns a man into a meal. I should have said <laughs> John's eyes crack open. He rubs his hand, then his face. What happened to counting sheep? He rolls over. Interior mission kitchen day. Two Close. cheesy lines at the end of this fucking. That that shit was. They they should have left that shit right out of there, yeah. man. And you can save some space and page and everything. Um, interior mission kitchen day. Close as a pile of raw liver drops into a metal pot, sizzling with onions and yellow fat. Mmm, mm. delicious. I'm except Lord I liver. Just look at that image. Granny stirs the reddish brown meat into the mixture, then ladles in another cup of melted fat. As the steam blossoms up, she inhales deeply. A lot of like cannibalistic shit. Weird yeah. imagery. Interior John's bedroom day. John still asleep begins to smell Granny's cooking wafting up through the floorboards. I like the word waft. The smell is suffocating. You know, as if his mouth were suddenly stuffed with liver and onions. Mm. That's a lot of description. His eyes pop open. Jimmy, Interior, Jimmy. Yes, baby. Yes, yes. Let's baby. cut it off there. Yeah, we're at an hour now. So, All right, Groovy. So we'll just uh, we will play the thing. Well, I don't want to play the thing just yet because there's music to play, isn't there? I haven't done this in a while. What am I supposed to play? Don't we have like a uh, no a cut to black or something to differentiate? I think we do. Perhaps a cut to black. That would be great if we had one of those. The end. That's not no, it. No, that's not it. Previously not the end. on <laughs> table <laughs> reads. Oh wait, no. Cut to No. Fade to black. Oh, you want fade to black. Sorry. Fade out. Oh, that'll do. What? Fade out. Alright. So Jimmy, this is the portion where we uh Commiserate. We, we stop the script, we play that drop so that we know that now this is the part where we talk about what we just read. I don't remember anything we read. Yeah. I like I like the fade out thing. I remember when I was writing a screenplay out there in LA with Trevor back in the good old days. Good old know? days. Yeah. <laughs> back in the good times, good times. Anyway, uh that there was a very strict rule. Just fade out. Don't be fading to black. I found our music. By the way, is that from what I just sent you? No, this is from like back when I when we first started doing the podcast. I a bunch of music that we played from the YouTube library. That you oh, play. cool! So, anyway, um, I have no idea what's going on in this script. I, I sense a lot of uh, like Jimmy said. You know, there's cannibalism. cannibalism yeah, there's a there's probably a witch doctor somewhere. But I'm not really yeah, sure. It's, it seems like there's a um, there's like a, a almost like a secret society type of uh, situation going on, like an underground, and um, 
and we're and we're just seeing layers of it being peeled back and stuff and and the meaning to what the dreams are in reality you know we have no idea where that i have no idea where the fuck that but it does seem like there's like some kind of um like a hierarchy like one guy whispering in another guy's ear some secret shit going on um the talk about the class structure and uh his mission you know he's in a mission he's got a mission to like you know show the world that they don't have to starve and i don't know he seems like the bad guy you don't just be eating people's hands and i don't yeah. You know yeah <laughs> yeah everybody except for john and ophelia is uh pretty creepy yeah, yeah the old lady was like Ooh. I want a kiss. Yeah, she seemed perfectly sweet until she was all like, mwah, mwah, mwah. you should Thank get you, you some you of that, Ophelia. Exactly. <laughs> Tasting them. <laughs> She's just like, man, if that's what his lips taste like, I wonder what his cock tastes like. See, that's what Persephone did after she kissed Neil. She, you know. Ah. And can we just say, like, Persephone in that script, Ophelia in this script? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were definitely on to something. This is—you said this was before the Matrix. This, this was, was their first script ever. Well, then you know what? It's a it's pretty not good, bad. It's a pretty yeah. good first script. It beats the sh- the fucking shit out of George Lucas's first script. Well, this is this is this George Lucas's every script. That's true. Yeah. Um, so far, so far, it beats the shit out of Assassins. Um, this is this is the downside with this podcast that we like to go into these things cold yeah. so that we have a genuine reaction we are gonna sometimes come across a good script um we do we are doing them cold we, we should yeah. call it cold reads not table reads no i'm not saying we should I'm you just, just said the word i should. know that but i'm just fucking with true. the fucking maestro the master of ceremony over there? <laughs> How dare I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, no. Uh, you know, occasionally we'll come across something good and we'll have to... Like, in this episode, I feel like there are only a few things that were outright deserving of mockery. I'm a little, we pretty much grabbed them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little disappointed that uh, this is so good so far, but, you know, I'll, I'll still enjoy it. Yeah. I'm enjoying reading it. it. it it could always fuck up real bad in the second and third act. That is really, really true. Yeah. Intensely true. <laughs> it so, gets trickier as you go along. So with that in mind, um, why don't we take off and uh, everybody join us next week for part two of Carnivore by the Wachowskis. Now, by the way, we should you and I should tell Jimmy to not get off Skype. because. Oh, yeah. Don't hang up. We're going to record more. All yeah. right, Ruby. So just hang out, Jimmy. Ruby. Say goodbye, Sean. Goodbye, Sean. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. (laughs) Fuck. Cut to black.